Shall we humble our hearts in a word of prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for a beautiful spring morning. We thank you even for this change in nature that we can enjoy these times of life coming back in the natural world. We thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word. We ask that your spirit would be with us this morning, that it would open this word, that it would open my lips, that it would open our ears and our hearts, that that message of what Christ has done for us could be refreshed and renewed in our hearts. We ask that you would bless our nation, bless our communities, that you would turn our leaders' hearts to you. We ask that you would bless each of us with faith and that you would give us of your Spirit in abundance and give us hearts that are obedient to that Spirit, that we could walk to your honor and to your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Shall we continue with 66?
May we be greeted this morning with greetings of grace and mercy and peace from God our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For a text this morning, I'll turn to the book of Romans, to the 13th chapter. And I will read, starting at the 11th verse, and I'll read through the 14th. Reading in Jesus' name. And that knowing the time that now is, it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, nor in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Amen. I have to admit, I guess, this morning I was looking, when I was looking for a text, there was a, a number of places that it kind of, I guess, if I would say it almost seemed to all tie together and it was difficult to try and and find one spot and it didn't seem to work to read from two or three different places and have a text broken up like that. <clears throat> so I guess I pray that we can look at this and, and, and I believe that it it all ties together. It speaks here, and, and I guess we can look at this in a number of ways. It it speaks of the fact that each of us, as we walk through this world, time passes and there's no way around it. We're closer to that time when we'll leave this life than we were yesterday, or even this morning. It's, I heard, and and it was just strictly a comedian, and he was using it for humor. And, um, And maybe that's what made it humorous, was the fact that it was such a blatant, obvious truth that we don't think about. And, like this says, the time is at hand. We are nearer now than when we believed. And he said that people say, well, here's a picture of me when I was younger. He said, every picture of us is when we were younger. And it's true. The way we are now, time passes. And we can read the word of God. And yes, we can look at our day and we can look forward to even next week or next month. Or perhaps even next year. And we have a pretty good chance that we will see that. Especially tomorrow. But we do not have any promise of that. I was visiting a friend this week. And with their job, they're dealing with people in a large company. And one of their supervisors was heading up to work. And he's, I think he actually turned, would have turned 40 sometime last week. 
and two days before that, he was, no one knows what happened, but he was driving along and just slammed into the back of a semi-truck. And he has a wife and a couple children, and life ended for him. And I'm sure that he had, you know, was thinking of how he, what he would do when he got to work and all these things. This here, it gives us warning of that. But I believe that it also speaks here when it says the knife is far spent and the day is at hand. It is also speaking that in the, in the passage of time in this world, the Bible tells us that there will be an end of time. This world will end. God has a period that it will last up to, and then it tells us that it will end. And Christ will return, and there will be, I guess we say, judgment day, and and all of this, I, I, I sort of understand it. I don't believe any of us understand the fullness or the completeness of it. But we understand enough to know these things will happen. And God tells us that. He tells us very clearly, even Jesus says that God knows when that is, and no one, not even the Son, knows that. And I found it interesting, I don't know how many times throughout history, and maybe many but even in my lifetime, I've seen a couple where there's a group of people who somebody claims to have some revelation and at 3.30 tomorrow, the world's going to end. God's going to come back. And anybody who believes the Bible can look at the Bible and with absolute definite certainty say, you're wrong. And you're going, you're not a prophet of God in any way, shape or form because the Bible clearly tells us that. And we don't have to be judgmental. We don't have to be harsh. We wouldn't have to be anything. We can simply state that's what God says. It isn't my idea. It isn't my opinion. It's simply what the Word of God says. And we can stand on that. And I think it's good with many things in life. And that's just one example but that as we walk through this world, we're faced with any number of circumstances, situations, problems, questions, that we would take the time to prayerfully look at what the Word of God would instruct us, even in our life. It doesn't matter what we are, whether we're a child, whether we're a teenager, a parent, grandparent, Whatever we are, husband, wife, it doesn't matter. I think it would be a good thought if we could look into the Word of God with the thought that in my station in life, where I'm at, what does God in His Word instruct for me? We may not always like what we find, it may be something that kind of, um, I guess if you say, isn't really where we're comfortable and where we want to be. But 
if that's what God's word says, and if that's what God instructs us in our life, in our walk, in a situation, how to deal with a problem, one, we can be sure that it is going to achieve the best result. And maybe even with our eyes looking at it, after the fact, it looks like that didn't turn out for the best. But I will guarantee that if we are able, by the Spirit of God and by the strength He give us, that we acted in accordance to God's Word, it is accomplishing the best, whether we are able to see it or not. And it also gives us, if I say, a comfort and a surety. No one can come to you if you look at something and say, well, here's what God says about this, and this is how he instructs us to deal with it. When we're dealing with whatever. If we don't say, well, this is what I think we should do, and sometimes we do that, and but if it's something important, and Perhaps even if it's something that doesn't seem that important. We could look and say, well, this is what God says to be about this. And it may be something as simple as simply being honest. I um, was listening to the radio the other morning doing chores and, and I can't remember... This is in my words, but basically the question that they'd asked the people listening is, what excuse have you used to um, get out of going to work one day or get out of a situation, a social situation that you didn't want to be in? And people called in with various things and, and, and some of them had humorous stories of how someone they knew had been caught doing something like that or perhaps they had. And it was interesting to me how the general error idea of the thing was, that's just what you do. But I think if people even took the time to dissect that question a little bit more and break it down to the bottom line and say, what lie am I willing to tell so that I can get away with something? And if we compare that to God's word and what he says, the answer becomes clear very quick. And it isn't my opinion, it isn't your opinion, it isn't anybody else's opinion. It's what God says. And if you bring that to someone in that term, it gives us a foundation to stand on. And if someone gets upset about it, we don't have to argue it. We don't have to defend it. It, it, they can take it up with God. I don't have to defend him. He can handle that. Yes, we need to stand for truth. And if we're dealing in God's word and what he says, we will be dealing with truth and what's right. And there's situations, and, and that was one of the things that I read that seemed to be, and I don't know if I can turn to it here now, it was close to here where I took the text, but it was speaking about people and in different places in, in 
their lives and how oh I guess it's right the next chapter here <laughs> it says that he that is weak in the faith receive ye but not to doubtful disputations for one believeth that he may eat all things and another who is weak eateth herbs let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not and let not him that eateth not judge him that eateth for God hath received him who art thou that judgest another man's servant to his own master he standeth or falleth Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. And then it goes on and mentions the same thing with a holy day and regarding that. And it's not saying, giving us free will. Well, some person figures that they can do this and someone figures they can't do it. And it encompasses anything. This guy figures, well, I can kill people. And, and this guy says he doesn't. We're not to judge him. It's not saying that. But there are situations in life that for one person it's wrong to do and for someone else it's not a problem. And I'm sure that if any of us have walked as Christians, we've come to, with those experiences. And I think it is good for us that as it says there, we can leave those situations with God. We do not have to answer for someone else's Actions. We have to answer for our actions. And yes, I think it is good and right if we see someone doing something that we feel is dangerous or detrimental to their soul salvation or their spiritual well-being, that we would prayerfully go to them and speak to them about it. Because we care. And it tells us, and the Bible encourages us to do that. But it says to do it with a spirit of meekness and humbleness, lest ye also fall. And it is how it is. We are encouraged to go and speak with others. Maybe to encourage them. Maybe to share with them the concern we have about what's happening to them or the road they're going down but be well aware that there's that saying and it's not in the Bible but it, it I guess you take a bunch of scripture I believe it adds up to it and the saying is that there but for the grace of God go I and if any of us I believe are honest with what we see in our human nature we can look at almost any situation and say, I see that action in my being. And yes, it's different people, and I don't understand quite how it works. We have different areas where we are tempted, different areas where we perhaps have a weakness to, and someone else doesn't. And I guess that's partly why different people can be in different situations. One person in this situation would not be good for them to be in. And the other person, it's not a problem. Because they have different temptations, different weaknesses. God has given them different strengths. We are different beings. And when it comes to our walk, yes, we have care and concern about others. But we're not to judge them.
Spirit tells us for the time it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. We can read the parable of the (coughs) ten virgins and it tells us that five were wise and five were foolish. And I believe it wasn't even that long ago that I spoke on that. And when we read that, how the five wise virgins, they had the oil, and the five foolish virgins didn't have the oil in their lamps. And we recognize that it is speaking of the Spirit of God in someone's life, in their heart. And we see that that was the only difference. And I've had people that say, well, you can't define a Christian. And that you just want to put people in a box. To, but God isn't, you aren't able to put God in a box. And if you define a Christian that that's what you're doing. I don't have to. The word of God gives us a very clear definition, I believe. If the spirit of God is dwelling in a heart, there's living faith there. That's a living Christian. And someone can claim, make any claim they want, but if the spirit of God is not dwelling in that heart, there's not living faith there. And it doesn't mean that God can't work with that heart and bring repentance And give faith, because faith is not ours to give. We can't give anybody faith. We can share with them what God has done for us. And I believe that very often that's a powerful message, because it comes of truth and what we know. And yes, sometimes we share of experiences we've heard from others, and it is good and right to do so, I believe. But I think if we're in a situation, and I was talking with someone about this the other day, and I don't know if I can put it in context, and it doesn't matter, but I was saying that I think in our lives, and we have to be careful and be willing to be led by the Spirit, but I don't think there's too many, we don't have to share our lives with everybody and, and be wide open and there's things that I'm not sure we need to share. But I don't think there's too many things that the right situation, if God puts us on it, that we can share with someone so that they can see and feel and understand that not only do I care, but I understand what you're struggling with. I've been there. And I hope and I would think that probably all of us have been at that place where we're in whatever, some situation, some trial. And to have someone come who very clearly has experienced it, has God has brought them through it, it gives us comfort. It does. And we don't wish any. There's some people who've Walked lives that you wouldn't wish on anybody. Because it's caused grief and hardship. But we see the power of God. 
that he can use those things to help others, to encourage others. That they, we can see by example that God can bring us through these things. And it's encouraging. But it tells us that if we're walking where there's darkness, to come to the light, come to Christ. And it's kind of, I don't even know the right word, but we read of those ten virgins that I mentioned. And it says of all of them, they all slumbered and slept. It wasn't just the foolish ones, it was all of them. And I think it is something to take note of as believers. It can happen to everybody. We can get complacent. We can get where we're just, if you say sleepy, we're not paying attention to what's important around us. Maybe we're living in a way that's dangerous. It's as varied as individuals, what that might mean to you. But the Spirit of God can put it on any heart. And let us listen to it if it is put there. It says, let us put on the armor of light. Which very simply put is Christ. If we turn to the book of Ephesians, I believe it, it sort of defines it a little bit more, if I say. It speaks of it as the armor of God. And it says that we are to take the whole armor of God. We're not just to take bits and pieces of it. This is in the 6th chapter of Ephesians. So take ye the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in evil days and having done all to stand. <clears throat> we read that and I can look around me and I can say with certainty that we live in evil days. Evil seems to be running rampant in the world around us. <clears throat> and oftentimes, my heart would wish that we didn't have to deal with it, that God would just take us. But that isn't how he has set it up. We are here for a reason. But he hasn't just plopped us out here in this world and said, there you go. No, he has provided, as it says here, the armor, and that we would have the whole armor that we could be secure. We are safe. And then it lays it out. It says, having your loins girt with truth. And even there, it's back to what I was talking about, of how we deal with situations, and we would use the word of God. Our loins is the work in our body that gives us the strength, and it's in that area that gives us to stand. And that we would stand on truth, which is the word of God. That we could make our decisions and walk our life according to God's word, because that is truth. And it gives us the ability to stand firm and not be moved, because it's not our ideas. And there's people who, when we talk about someone being bullheaded, and there's some people, and, and I think oftentimes when someone is very bullheaded is because in reality they are quite unsure of what they are standing for or what they feel and so they're going to 
fit the situation and not be moved. And I think it's a lot easier if you have great confidence in what you are standing for and what you are speaking about and what can give us more than God said. The one who created this universe, that created me, created this world, he says this is how it is. You don't have to be, I don't know what the word is, bullheaded about being that or force that on anybody. We can simply share humbly that this is what God says. And that's why I do this. They can decide what they want. But it says that that is how we are to gird ourselves, that we can stand firm in that. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. We know that that protects your vital organs. And it is where the devil would want to attack is the heart of us. He wants to attack our heart. He wants to make accusation. But if we have the righteousness of Christ, not in our being good and not in, well, I've done all these good things and so I'm a good enough person. And yes, I've done a few bad things, but we can ignore them. And especially if the Spirit of God starts working in a heart, and if we say the light of God's Word shines into a heart, we pretty quickly see that there's not much good there in ourselves. But the Word says that we don't have to become, be righteous, that we can take the righteousness of Christ, that the sin that we are, He paid for it. It can be forgiven. We can take His righteousness. And we know from God's word, he was perfect. He walked in perfection. He paid for my sin. Says, I can have his righteousness. The devil can come with any accusation. And you can say, it's covered by the blood of Christ. It's his righteousness, not mine, that I'm, is protecting me. It's, A wonderful place to be. Because if we are trying to do it in our own, guaranteed he has lots of ammunition to attack us with and accusations. And it's, I believe, why we even speak of repentance and forgiveness of sins. Because if there is something that's weighing on us, we know we've done something and we're struggling, probably because the devil's pointing at it, saying, how can you be a Christian? How can you believe that God could accept you when that's what you have done? God says, if that's your struggle, come to him. He tells us there's that altar of mercy. Come boldly. We can come ask him. We can ask him and where he's found. In one of our brothers or sisters in faith. Say, is there forgiveness for this? Really? And as a Christian, we probably experience that forgiveness. And we can assure that person that, yes, if what Christ did covers my sin, his blood covers yours also. Those things are covered by the blood of Christ. Believe it. And I believe that that message, believe very quickly, 
mutes anything the devil can bring. It says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Our feet, we wear shoes on them that we can walk over all the bumps and rocks and thorns that there is in this life. And I think if we look at that spiritually, we understand that the devil would put lots of things in front of us that we would slow our travel, that would hurt our walk. It's interesting to me always how it says, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. <clears throat> what, if we read the word of God, prepares a heart to receive that gospel message? It's when God humbles it. When a heart becomes humble, then God can work with it and, and that message of peace with God can be there. So I believe that this is simply telling us that we should walk humbly. And in walking humbly, we can overcome all the things that would stumble in our walk. And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. It says we are saved by faith. And it's faith in what Christ has done, and, and it is that that encompasses everything in our walk. It is through faith that we are able to believe that God is even able to give us these things that we can walk safely, and that the devil has no ability to, to attack. And he can come up with all sorts of things to try and harm us. But if we walk by faith, and if it is our faith that is there going ahead of us, if I put it that way, it, it is a safe place to be. And the problem is lots of times using kind of half a, half um, natural things as this is and half spiritual, we're, we'll put down the shield of faith so we can use our hands to get busy to do something on our own. And it is then that the devil is very quickly able to attack our actions or what we've done. We are to just simply hold on to Christ. Put our faith in Him. I trust that God can handle a situation where it's simply to walk obedient and walk and act according to what he would direct. It says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet of salvation. Our mind can take us a lot of places. It, it honestly amazes me. And, and I don't know if my mind is worse than others, but even standing up here speaking it, my head goes unbelievable number of places. And our thoughts can get us in trouble. And I think that this is what it's telling us, that our mind should be... It, it's something that we look forward to. And often that's where our head gets us in trouble, is looking ahead at whatever it may be. But if its focus can be on salvation, even our natural mind can understand that that's something that is good and that there's heaven to look forward to. And if that's where our thoughts are at 
And in achieving that, it's a lot less dangerous than the places our mind can go. And then it says, in the sword of the Spirit. Yeah, which sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And it means that we are to look at this Word of God, and it is to be, and if I say it's the only thing in here that, if I say is, you could call a weapon. And I find it interesting that it, it never uses the word of God in the term of a spear or anything like that. It's always a sword. And I believe that there's reason for that. And the one that comes to my mind is that for a sword to be of any value, one, you have to hang on to it hard. If you just throw it out there, it's of no use to you anymore. And, and it takes practice, and the better, the more you use it, the better you'll get, obviously, is with anything. And I don't believe that it's, that we should use it to attack people, ever. But it is what we use, and we hang on to it, and we would look into it, that it would be important to us. And be very careful how we use it. We read the story of even when they came to get Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Peter's going to defend him and he pulls out his sword and cuts off the man's ear. And I think we need to look at that carefully and consider for ourselves. I think we're very easy can put ourselves in the place of Peter and we're going to defend Christ and the first thing we do is make it so that the person that we're trying to deal with can't hear. And it says, faith cometh by hearing. And thanks be to God, he put in there and in that account, the first thing Christ does is put the ear back on and heals him. In spite of our mistakes and in our whatever, if God, he can make it so that they can hear and their ears are fine. But we need to be careful that we don't, the first thing we do is make it so someone's not willing to listen to us because of how we use the word of God. We need to use it carefully and prayerfully and humbly as it's stated there, as we walk. It says, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. It's. I don't think that anybody really, I mean there's people who want to make that claim that they do these things and it's fun and all this stuff and that's their whole focus in life and in a way perhaps it can be. But we also see and even they have to admit you can look at someone's life and if that's been their focus is to partake of these things it shows up in their life very quickly. And it's a problem. And it never makes things better. It's always a downhill slide. And it doesn't matter in reality what it is. If that is where our life is going, it's on a slide away from good. 
But we are encouraged, as it says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We have to put on Christ. And in doing that, it's our flesh that we are not to make. Our flesh has desires. And yes, some of them, I mean, depending on how you look at it, we have a need to eat, to drink. But there's lots of things that our natural flesh wants that it's not good for itself even. And the Bible tells us that we're to not have any provision for that. And it isn't that we can't have things in this life that we enjoy. It's not what it's saying. But anything, any desire that in our natural being would lead us away from Christ is something that we are to avoid. We're not to give any lenience for us to go in that direction. And especially as we see our lives progressing, and and it's easier, I guess, to understand that perhaps the older we get. And I don't know quite how it is that time can seem to go like between 10 and 20 and 10, 20 and 30 and 30 and 40. Every 10 years, it seems like it's much faster than the first 10 years. And I don't know quite how that works, but it just seems to be the way life is. And as we're younger, it seems that there's a lot of life ahead of us, and there is, oftentimes. But as we look back, we realize that that time passed very quickly. And there are things, I believe, even no matter who we are, that we can look back and think that, wow, there's things that we should put maybe perhaps different importance on in our life. And it would be good if we would even, no matter what our age is, to take the time to look at life and, I would say, in the light of God's word, look at life and say, what really is important and what would God want to be important to me today? tomorrow, next week as we walk. And yes, as obviously it's been, I guess, quite clear to us, if I look back two years, there's been a lot changed in our world than in the previous two years before that. And I have no idea, none of us know, if we live another two years, if there'll be that much change or if things will be less changed. We don't know. But it doesn't matter how much the world changes around us, God's word doesn't. And it's another reason that we would make that our foundation that we stand on and trust in. It even tells us in the word of God that these things are going to happen. It isn't there so it scares us. I believe it's there so that we can have confidence in God. And it's like, well, if he had someone write down 
2,000 years ago that this is how things were going to go, and I see it happening. Yes, it looks terribly scary to our natural flesh sometimes, and especially when we can read in a number of places, but Revelations is perhaps the easiest one to think about. And some of the stuff you read in there, and it's like, I don't know that I want to participate in any of that at all. It sounds terrifying in some ways. But, God has promised that he will give us faith for whatever day that he gives us to live. He will give us strength. He will protect us. And I think the best way to look at it and say, well, if God knew this is how things were going to go, he knew that I would be here, he's promised to take care of me. He will. And that we could have confidence in it. And go forward, if I say boldly. And I almost don't use that word, but I think the thing is that sometimes in this world when people use that word boldly, the word that actually should be used is brazenly. And to me there's a vast difference. Brazenly is often... And perhaps it's talking like I was talking about someone earlier, that if you're not real confident in something and you're going to go forward acting like you really know everything and got everything in control, that's brazenly. But you can walk boldly and humbly at the same time because you have confidence that I can go here because I have God with me. And especially as Christians to understand that if we are a child of God, if we believe and know with absolute certainty that Christ paid for my sins, they're forgiven. And as Paul writes, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If someone, or circumstances, or whatever's going on in the world, if it kills us, it's not really a big deal. Yes to... Sorry, there's a couple of pigeons just landed in the window back there and it just distracted me, I'm sorry. But it's... We can walk confidently and still humbly because it's not in our strength. We don't have to do it in our strength. We don't have to do it in our wisdom, in our ability. We can do it with all those things from God. And trust that even if he decides that whatever it is, that it's time that he's going to take us home, thanks be to God in reality. We don't have to deal with the trials that there are anymore. And yes, our natural flesh trembles at that because this is all it has, is this world. And walking as a Christian is a Strange thing, because in reality, as Christians, we put more value on natural life, and yet we're looking to be done with it. And it's a very contradictory thing for our minds to reason out. But I believe by faith we can understand it. And I pray as we, says here, and knowing the time, we see what's happening around us. We can look at it through the lens of God's word we are living in the last times and if we don't believe that we can look at even what it says here that we're 
our self, the end of our life or whatever is much nearer than when we first believed. And then we take and read, and I don't know which ones, but I think Peter and John come to mind. They mention that they felt that they were living in the end times. And I believe any time after when Christ went to when he comes again, we can consider end times. And we're obviously much closer than they were 2,000 years ago. But it doesn't matter because with God, time is quite irrelevant. And he can take care of them. He took care of them. He can take care of us. And we can trust that. And our worry is not what the world can do to us. And I shouldn't even call it a worry. But our focus should be on simple obedience to God. Believe God. Trust in his promise that Christ is our salvation and our all in all. And may God add his blessing to his word. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we humble our hearts and receive the benediction? May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.